I'm Nick. And I'm Sean. And, and these, these are Our Fermenting Thoughts. Happy New Year, Sean. Oh, likewise, Nick. And what a glorious one it is. Absolutely stunning weather. Sorry to be cliched about commenting on the weather, but... Um, You've got stunning you know, weather. Just, uh, sent, sent, sent to challenge our mood and we shall break through into the sunshine tomorrow, I believe. Right, okay. You were joking. I thought you mean serious. I'm like, it's fucking shit up here. <laughs> I'm absolutely pissing it down. Like, how long into the new year is it that you can wish someone a happy new year? Like, we're nearly at the end of the second week. Is it still legit to wish someone a happy new year? Oh, very much so. Especially if it's the, uh, you know, the first, I mean, okay, we know each other, but yeah, no, I, I just think it's, um, if it's business contacts or indeed friends, um, then it's ongoing until you might might not see them for the first time until January 25th. And it's like, well, hope the start of the new year is filled with happiness or something like that. Well, it's, I don't think it's <laughs> been too bad. Not too many closures announced so far. I saw that um, Optimism, the bottle shop. Is it Nottingham yeah. Way? Um, I noticed that have closed, which is really sad. Um, it is. It is. You know, I, th- I think. I think there'll be. It'll be across the breadth of the industry, as we've commented before. Sadly, um, particularly with the um, withdrawal of the energy support um, shortly. Yeah, that's April, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's concerning. But you know, I, I mean, so far it's not like we've hit January and like loads and loads of people have announced their closing, and obviously each and every case is really sad when you see something like that. I'm just kind of hoping it's not going to be as bad as all that. It's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? The the, the, um, the acquired acquisition, should I say, by Curious of uh, Wild, um, is generating a lot of uh, comment. And uh, I don't know what your personal view is. Well, um, we, we, we were having this discussion before, weren't we, about Kellermine and Thornbridge, not just Thornbridge, but a collaboration of people within Sheffield, um, of which Thornbridge are part of rescuing Kellam Island Brewery. And then it was on Sean from Beer Central, which is a bottle shop in Sheffield and the Sheffield Hopcast, had posted on his shop feed that you could get mini kegs of Pale Rider. And I noticed it was in like the Thornbridge branded mini keg, apart from the label on the front, which was the classic Pale Rider label. And that's where... I started to ask questions and think, hang on a minute. Like I thought that the brewery had been saved. So when I heard the Hopcast and then discovered a bit more, it's that the, the, literally the only thing that was available to buy was the brand. And I, I'm sure we had the conversation at the time saying that we were going to start to see more of that kind of thing happen where you'd get a brewery and a brand that had built itself up and then the brand would get bought. Like we talked about the I can't remember the brewery, the one that bought Red Church um, and facility. That, that, yeah, that was it. Um, and now, yeah, Curious have, have bought the Wild Beer Co brand. So it's interesting as we go into 2023 when people are talking about predictions for 2023, what's going to happen this year. I think that we're going to see a lot more of that beverage companies buying. And I'm not talking about globals here, like because Molson Coors and AB and Bev acquiring brands, which I'm sure they still will. But I'm talking about smaller beverage companies or food companies buying brands like Wild Beer Co or any other large, well-known 
effectively like supermarket beer brands from independent well, it, 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 it's it, the deeper questions are required and again what everybody likes to keep quiet or not talk about um which on an ongoing basis and it's in our national politics and the way people do don't talk about the business war. anyway so <laughs> but it's uh and uh, yeah we won't drift away to national politics but the fact of the matter is that you know the general consumer needs to feel that they are being told the whole story in terms of the financing and essentially all we've got here is just the straight acquisition vertical integration to the curious operation um it strips out all the values that people that were into wild beer out of out of the uh, picture and it just becomes a, a truly just a, a white label brand in my opinion as part of the curious label so in short i mean i think that you know how are these um Who's doing the deal with whom? For what reasons? Um, all of the money that's gone missing, you know, and there's no other way of saying it. And never answered, never does get answered. The 1.6 million crowdfunding in Wild Beer's case are not spent on everything that those investors thought it was going to be spent on. And then suddenly we've got Curious in this case, getting you know the Wild Beer brand uh, yeah. on the cheap, making it part of their stable. And you know, for me, it's a bit of a parallel with um, Lion and uh, Forpia, frankly. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just finance operatives, if I can put it that way, doing the deal and making sure that the actual owners, founders, personal assets remain untouched whilst everybody else gets um, blitzed in a strong language. But uh, how else can you put it? And it's not good enough and it needs to be spoken about more. And, you know, like you said, we're going to see heaps of these sort of deals throughout this year. Yeah. Um and, and and the founding values of, of say, what if you're a wild beer fan originally of, of those styles of beers and the techniques they were using, that's the reason you got involved. That's the reason you invested. And of course, that's all uh, all being literally stripped out. Yeah. I, I suppose like the difference with the, the whole Kellam Island thing, there was a real drive to save Kellam Island Brewery and Pale Rider because of the rich heritage that that beer's had. And what it means to people in Sheffield and beyond. Whereas with Wild Beer Co, it feels different. I mean, the whole premise of Wild Beer Co was tied in with all the barrels and the brewery itself. Obviously, it's really sad that they'd raised yeah, all the this fermentation money, techniques. But, yeah, yeah. And um, it's really sad that they, they didn't build this fermentation school and all the rest of it. But I, I can't really, with it being in a supermarket, it's it's an odd brand to be in a supermarket, I think. I, I just think we're seeing, you know, this whole. Hopefully, and this is, this is my genuine hope that we're going to see a sort of return to, well, we are seeing as, as so many commentators have made the point already that local, 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 genuine, um, the consumer driving this um, rightly across the country, in their communities and staying loyal to the to the breweries that are doing the right thing by them and getting still getting them priced through their retail operations, whether it be their own tap room, bottle shop, and or the pubs that they're in, or if they have their own tap rooms, um, you know, at a, a good value and and work it that way. Um, and people will, you know, obviously hopefully show actions with their feet and not, you know, without being um, unrealistic about it, you know, they'll... They'll stop buying these beers if they're in certain placements um, because they've lost all value. I do agree, but I also think that, 
Like we'll take a case in point with um, some mates who went out with last night. So we went to Heist Bruco in Sheffield. Um, if anyone's not been there, then they should totally go. It's brilliant. But I, I was the only beer nerd there. It's interesting when you hang out with people that aren't beer nerds and or work in the industry and you just have regular conversations and they're, they're just drinking regular beers that I, I think a lot of people don't actually think too much about where things actually come from. So it's, it's really easy within our echo chamber. It's really easy to say, I really value where things come from. And I do, and you do, and I think lots of people listen to this do, and there are lots of people out there that do. But I also think there's a huge section of society that don't, and, and they don't have the education to, and they don't even really think about it too much. I mean, you could you could apply that to any food or drink in a supermarket. It's, it, it, I've been thinking about this recently with, um, there's a, a butcher's and local farm shop around the corner from me that the couple basically want to retire. They've been running it for a long time and it's a real central hub of our community. And the landlord wants to extend the lease for another like 10 years or something. And, and they're like, we don't want to work for another 10 years. And so the options were either they sold the business or they take this lease on. And, but they couldn't find a buyer for it. And all their pensions tied up in this business. And yeah. they, they, they couldn't stand to see their employees just out of work. So in effect, they gifted the business to somebody else who's going to run it. They're going to keep on Chris, who's the butcher. And his wife is basically the only person that's going to lose a job. But in effect, they don't have a pension now. And it's, you know, and when, when I think about that, you know, I think about how it's, I mean, it's really sad because, you, you know, you can get really good quality food there. You know where it's come from. They sell like local independent beers and all the rest of it. But supermarkets have so much leverage over our lives because of the convenience and the price points and all the rest of it. And they don't tell you where where the food comes from or where it goes. Or, or Well, I'll give you another point. And I am ranting here. We subscribe to something called Oddbox. And it's yeah. like a fruit veg box comes once a fortnight. And it's all the produce that supermarkets don't want to take because the, you know, the kiwis look too much like a bum. They're weird. I call them bum kiwis. It looks like a, a hairy pair of bum cheeks. <laughs> so it's like a, a kiwi that's kind of morphed into two. They're brilliant. They're massive. You know, but supermarkets won't take them because it's not what we think of kiwi shaped. And if, just to come full circle on the point I'm trying to make, and I'm not making it very eloquently here, I, I don't think a lot of people actually think about, we'll take Wild, Wild Beer Co, about where that beer comes from. So they, they may enjoy Millionaire. That's the stout, isn't it? Yeah, I, I just think it's the impact on, as you say, you know, interestingly, the only way, way these people pick up and listen, um, whomever, whomever they are. So let's go back to the line example, you know, with Forpia. So, you know, they suddenly start dictating, having taken over, and it, it was dictating you know, that, you know, we, we we understand the consumer literally volleying the consumer with um, what we believe the craft beer drinker to be. And it's like, you, you've just alienated the, all of the historical four pure consumers you ever had in one statement to market that you know better 
than the original four pure team and the people that bought into it. And so we can apply that to any food and beverage. You know, when when a bigger operation takes it over and or tries to standardize it or strip out all the value. Um, personally, it's you know, it's a, it's a it's an interesting landscape that's going to develop from that. Yeah, it's, and, I, and I hope I hope to the betterment of you know the consumer demanding that they and and, and it is starting to happen. We know that across the board. You know, to to know the uh, the the journey of, of that product. Um, you know, it's sustainability. It's it's carbon cycle. I mean, the list goes on, and we just got to keep hammering away at this um, um, scene um, against what we know to be the powers that wish we wouldn't talk about it at all um you know the obvious one being you know fossil fuels but we're staying on brewing and and beverage production here um and it's the same you know the the, the low and no bandwagon uh botanicals etc these are all largely areas of growth according to the um independent media mm-hmm. um but the reality is there's only a few good quality products and they need to be supported they need to be shouted loud and hard about as opposed to the the broader scene which is still not what i would call um genuine <laughs> so i hope that you know that that's just that we as we do nick you know that's just our uh, stream of consciousness so to speak but um no it has I, to be, I, I, yeah. I totally agree with you and i think the underlying problem and it's a very complex problem that we're not going to solve on this podcast, is is capitalism. And I think what we're seeing through like supermarkets and what you've just said about the big wigs coming in, like with 4Pure, thinking they know best, is, is just capitalism at its worst. And I do feel in some ways that negative aspect is intensifying all the more. Because like you say, if people are just left to get on with it and... Like the 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 create if, if, if it's a, I mean there's examples on like you say you know um, so people have done it well um, so I'm a big fan of um, if I'm, I hope I'm saying it correctly but Fungi the mushroom beer done by Zoe Henderson um, and she you know that was Cedars uh, that, that, that sorted out the funding on that um, you know um, it, 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 it was just a very very controlled communication from all parties who was involved how it was going to be funded um, and its storyboard and intent and. You know, whether it be a health conscious product like that, which has got you know, lots of value in my opinion, through to um on the bigger level, and it's a bit of you know old history now to a certain extent. But you know, when Fuller's took on Gales um and did a pretty good job of it. Um, you know, taking on the you know, the the, the Gales brewery down there um in Hampshire, um that, that that needed reinventing it, making sure that they embraced the team at the time and got that continuity and didn't mm-hmm. And didn't and tried to keep the consumer base informed through the pubs as well as to exactly what was happening and by other methods, and that's how you do it as a bigger operation. You know, so from something like uh, a um, more niche product like the mushroom beer, as as it grows um, quickly, um, through to you know a standard bearer brand that was important to all the people of Hampshire that knew it and had drunk it all their lives. Handled by a not a macro, but well, they are now owned by Asahi. But Fuller's at the time did a great job, and mm. it can be done. It just takes effort, and it takes proper um, 
communication from from within. Yeah, and and, and that's a cultural thing, uh, and that's clearly led by, you know, the the in house team and how long they've been there and their experience. And you know, more importantly, as I always say to people, you know, they a lot of these companies and and, and people in general, corporations through to smaller operations, they have a complete insecurity about sharing any information whatsoever. Yeah. And it, and it has, and really, it's really so, so negative. You get far more um, capture, you get far more respect, you get so many other things if you're just totally transparent about, you know, yes, we have to increase our prices because of X, X, and X. Um, you know, we have to, um, we are relocating, so there'll be a supply issue for, four months because we're moving into a new space. Um, sorry about that. You know, the list goes on. Mm. All you have to do is keep people informed and and they'll be patient with you. Well, ultimately, it comes, yeah, it does come down to people. Now, obviously, that's easier if you're a a local independent brand like like Beaches of Walkley, which is the butchers I referenced. You know, it's become, it's become a brand now, like Chris and Donna Beach, the, the are or were the owners you have that personal connection with them in the same way that i do with someone like cumby from round corner brewing you know i sing huge praises of their beer because it's fantastic but like he's really really sound you know he's a great bloke you know full full of all kinds of interesting stories and anecdotes you know and i i would recommend wholeheartedly people buy their beers partly because like i said they're great beers but partly because like they're nice people that work there it's much harder when it's a faceless brand. You know, all, all of these things that, again, um, what I'd kind of like to move into briefly is on this one is, is you know, as I say to people, they're um, re, reshaping their business so that they, you know, with the, the, there are there is good quality advice out there. There is uh, good planning that can be sourced um, in a cost-effective manner for, you know, the sustainable future of your business and and truly sustainable across all all things. Not I'm just talking about, you know, the um all, all, all of the energy cycle and all the rest of it. I'm talking about sustainable values, which is what HR is meant to be about. Mm. But I've 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 seldom seen it. You know, um and if you're a small business owner, then you know, um and all businesses started small in their original that philosophy is just absolutely critical because then you'll get the most out of your people. They'll be put into the relevant areas of the business um, and it will grow, you know, organically is the term, isn't it? Um, yeah. And, and those are, those are the, those are the businesses with foresight and transparency um, that, you know, I've every confidence will do well. But I'm, I'm always amazed by the amount of businesses I speak to where if you ask what, their core values are like it doesn't tend to revolve around anything other than oh we want to make good beer like yeah you know every brewery wants to make good beer that's that's you know just like every i don't know app developer wants to make a good app i i think the the that kind of core philosophy has to really embody something much bigger than yourself Uh, absolutely And, and then also you know Let's dispel completely all the myths around the industry as to, again, that goes back to the original point of just say how the product's made, you know, by whom, when, where's it, where's it stored? Um, you know, why do we, you know, why do we 
choose to have it dispensed in those um, packaging methods? Um, how are we thinking about future packaging methods? What packaging methods would you like? I mean, just to save one <laughs> trail. Um, it's not difficult, um, but then you're fully involving your your customer and future customer, more importantly. Um, so, that, you know, it's... Um, it's early days, um, but I still think that the, the industry associations as well have got a lot a lot of form to pick up on this. Mm. Um, I was having a discussion with another country about their association, and uh, it wasn't Belgium actually, but you know, I've always been impressed with, with Belgium in terms of how they embrace their brewers, you know, how they uh, support them at trade shows, how they support them in export, um, the list goes on. Mm. So, you know, that's what we need. Uh, from the industry right now is a, a a truly you know we say we're very collaborative in this industry well let's let's pick that pick up the form on that pick up the pace on that and get all the associations talking to each other yeah um because you know the obvious one from post brexit is that you know you had breweries that were exporting massive numbers winning business by the week suddenly wiped out within months um it's uh, dreadful um so you know, every everybody has to you know, work for the greater good of, greater of brewing good. and hospitality. <laughs> yeah. And because it's that end user as well, isn't it? You know, I, I think we keep sort of forgetting, and I know we've had a, a short podcast on on the pub and the tap room and how it might change and those places that people eat and drink. Um, but ultimately that that will dictate a lot of the feel or, or the happiness of, of said retailer. Are they being supported? Is everybody supporting each other? You know, can, can retailers take 5% off their gross profit at the front end? Yes, they can with the right tweaking. Yeah. Um, does that then help keep the price stable rather than increasing and increasing and increasing it? But it's got to be worked at both ends. Mm. This, have you read The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? Yeah, well, it's 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 um, one of my go-to books for life. Really, it, it, you should read it. It's brilliant. I recommend yeah. it to anyone listening to this. It is just as as a source of wisdom. It's fantastic. And Doctor immediately. There, there you go, Doctor Stephen Covey, who wrote it. One of the habits is seek first to understand and then be understood. And I think the problem a lot of the time with a lot of small independent brewing businesses that I see is that they want to seek first to be understood and then understand other people. Does that make sense? Like it's, 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 it's really self-serving. So I'll give you an example, like throughout January on Facebook, like all the ads that I've seen from brewers is like discounts, you know, 20% off if you buy our mixed case, sell, 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 sell. And I mean, that race to the bottom is terrible. And that's, that's something we, we could touch upon and talk about until kingdom come. This, I feel like there's a real lack of not understanding where the consumer's at. Apart from, oh, maybe they want to spend less. Let's throw a discount at them. And I, I think it's like the breweries that pick up a phone on a Monday and the phoning around all landlords. Oh, do you want any beer? Do you want any beer? You know, and all that sort of stuff. Like, don't work because it's like you're not, taking the time to understand the landlord's need other than, oh, the landlord needs beer. I have beer. Let's sell them beer. You know, it might be that the landlord doesn't need another 
pale, hoppy, 4.2% beer because he or she is just absolutely maxed out with that kind of thing. But they not they might need it's let's say it's a micro pub, for example, they might need some support on dispensing their drinks. No, actually, here's a good example. The thing that often landlords and, and publicans need is some kind of training for their bar staff on cask beer quality. Because there's such a high churn rate with those people, and often they don't know much about cast beer or what it should taste like. That, 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 that's how you, I mean, it's the old style of how I used to do events and tastings is that, you know, without, I mean, not, not if it's a proper tutor tasting or that sort of thing, but it's almost like you should lean on the bar with your elbow and talk to the, not not because you're looking again to, to, to boost your own ego or, or listen to me scenario, but just say, right, okay. And then, you know, talk to the, to, to the, the consumer, the customer, the bar staff, and you can almost, in a session like that, get everybody involved. This is what it actually looks like behind the bar. That's how cask is actually dispensed. You know, uh, the, let's go and have a quick look at the cellar um, and then come back up let's, and then talk about how dispense methods and, and glassware and everything else that people put out there is standard fare, but they don't actually do and engage um, with the customer enough. And, you know, I've offered that a lot on behalf of brands that I've been building and, and to, to operators, and they've often knocked it back. And it frustrates the heck out of me because it is always about that final one meter. Having run bars, restaurants, venues, you know, it's all about the staff knowledge, the connection between the staff and the the, the customer, mm. um, and and everybody's a winner if that's actually engaged properly. Yeah. And I think if businesses took a bit more time to understand their customers' needs, then you're 90% of the way there already. You know, yeah. and I'm not, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I've missed the mark loads before. <laughs> um, and That's very honest of you, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it's like we all, we all make mistakes, but it's, it, I think it's, it's having that like we're in January it's a very reflective time of year and it's the and so r- rather than just going out and I don't know get, oh, l- let's clean up the brewery floor and do a bit of maintenance which yet yeah, is important if you run a brewery to do all that sort of stuff but like that's not the foundation of your business the foundation of your business is all that stuff we talked about like those values and your philosophy and your vision and working out where you're going and working out what's working. You have to get yourself into that headspace of, I'm going to work this shit out. Otherwise, you know, it creeps upon you. And before you know it, you are in the shit. <laughs> that's right. That, that's, that's right. It, it is is reviewable like our, you know, all of our businesses by, by the, by the day, by the week, you know, and obviously, you know, you're busy. We're all busy, but there are methods, especially now with IT, that you can do that very quickly at a weekend. Just make it part of your discipline and say, right, okay. And then you have a, a short uh, staff, staff chat or whenever your staff meetings are, depending on the size of your business, um, and, and even even if they're monthly, that's what meetings are meant for. Not mm. everybody, to, everybody hates attending meetings and spending too long time, you know, too long in them historically um but if they're punchy um with with clear data and then that data is engaged um 
immediately. Well, that's the only way. Well, that's it, the only way you get some momentum. Exactly. And it's 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 having that groundwork of, you know, let's set an agenda. Let's have let's like half an hour and you've got your agenda, right? We're going through the agenda point by point, bam, 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 bam. Rather than, you know, I, I've sat in meetings before. There was one meeting I sat in where I was, I was trying to make the point about waste, like rubbish. There was no, we didn't have commercial waste. So one of the owners used to take rubbish home in his car and put it in his bin, you know, and the neighbor's bins, I think by the sounds of it. And so, you know, we're, we're having this meeting. We're going around the houses for like 15 minutes. And then one of the directors went, why are we talking about a bin? And I'm like, because they're in a fucking bin. Just can, can we make a decision? Pardon my French. <laughs> can we just make a decision on, can we have a commercial bin so I can put stuff in and rather than it all just piling up everywhere? Oh yeah, right. Yeah, okay. It's like fucking hell. Like we didn't need to spend 15 minutes on the whole debacle of, of who takes what where and all the rest of it. Just, oh, anyway, I've lost my yeah. shit now. No, 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 agreed. Um, <laughs> agreed on all points. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the other things I'd like to explore is that, again, going back to revisiting this um, transparency, is that, you know, the big sustainability trail that we've been hinting at is that contract brewing. There's nothing wrong with contract brewing. Contract brewing is happened ever since brewing started um in broad terms and grown and grown and grown and will continue to grow for the right reasons but that needs to be engaged with the consumer that that's the way it works this brewer is brewing this band for these reasons and both parties all parties shouldn't be insecure about that because clearly they've presumably done a lot of research on teaming up with each other they've done all their quality tests they've done this they've done that and you know so tell tell the consumer there's nothing worse than the consumer suddenly realizing that you know their favorite beer uh, that they thought was being brewed in Kazakhstan is actually brewed in Edmonton, you know. Well, it's like it's, Foster's um, in Manchester, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it? There's nothing wrong with it. It's, yeah. it's, it's just, if it's done for the right reasons and, of course, all the parties involved, you know, get their profiles up there. I, I'm not talking about unnecessary. I, this is the sort of thing that, you know, and it's not just because we're in the industry. I mean, people that are into beer, they want to know this stuff. And Okay, who is the head brewer? Which two head brewers talk to each other to get the contract brew in place? What, why did they choose each other? Question mark, question mark. All, all, all a good one for a podcast, I'm sure. You know, um, what, why that they chose each other because that's the kit, you know, that they use and they felt that they this partner could source the, the malt bill and hops um, quickly and significantly there's a connection between the farming backgrounds of both respected brewers i mean the list goes on people don't do that and i i, I think this probably is more applicable to the macro brewers because they would lose brand collateral if they did so we'll take Doombar and sharps as an example yeah. so my late father-in-law the last time we ever saw him face to face just before the pandemic we went out for a meal to a local pub and they had doom bar and he ordered a pint and he's going he's banging on about cornwall and all the rest of it and i said you do realize that's food in burn on trent and um he didn't and he was gutted you know because in his mind he's tasting the salty sea air of 
the Southwest. And, you know, it, it obviously bought into this whole Cornwall thing. Not, not like, you know, it's set his life on it or anything, but it was just part of, you know, in his psyche, that's where it was from. Now, I, I, possibly if it was on cask, maybe it was produced in rock down in Cornwall, because I believe, I'm not 100% sure, but I believe that the cask version comes from the brewery there and then the bottled version is produced in Burton-on-Trent. But even so, it's, it's you know, if you buy a bottle, because my wife likes Doombar, like if you buy the bottle, it's, say it's Cornwall on there. And I think, obviously, you know, Foster's is the other example, you know, or, or Stella Artois and Cronenberg and all, or Madri even, Madri, that's the big one at the moment, isn't it? You know, buying into this whole myth of like, oh, it's Mediterranean lager. And it's like, well, no, it's brewed in the UK. Like, or, or well, I know Guinness is actually brewed in, um, in Dublin. And maybe that's why Guinness has curries more favoured with people because actually, you you know, you are tasting something of Ireland and all the rest of it. But I think they stand to lose a lot more if they're like, oh, actually, it's it's brewed and burn on Trent and so on. There'd be something, for, I think, for a lot of customers that would feel like the, the wool has been pulled over their eyes, which, which is maybe why, if you think of a brand like Brewdog, why they piss so many people off because you're forever hearing one thing and then you see like a disparity between what he said and the reality. Yeah. But then now, you know, they're fighting back on their marketing, which is very clever from a marketer's point of view, you know, right by reading out mean tweets about their bars or whatever's been said about the lost forest and so on. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's <laughs> I don't even know where to go with people, that. It's people a, just don't appreciate, none of us do. You know, there's a hold of us on a five-minute basis of, of fakery and, uh, you know, um, it, it's just assuming and treating your potential customer and or actual customer with disrespect. You know, the reason they hopefully are drawn to your product is because you have told them exactly what it is and that your production method. So if people choosing your product for health reasons or very serious reasons of uh, allergens or or philosophical values or vegan lifestyle or whatever you really really got to um embrace that and, and respect it and double down on quality information communication and on a daily basis you know because you know you subscribe we all subscribe to these potential newsletters and all the rest of it but half of them are not informative at all they're just little sales tools mm. um what they should be used for is to actually get people excited about the development plans of the product um how things are changing for the future um it's, it's very notable in social media and you're more of a marketing background than me but you know you look at say i don't know say the the, the molson cause actual website and social media handles there's nothing useful in there whatsoever because they try and put smokes and mirrors up on various other, you know, so through their so-called marketing agencies and PR agencies. Mm, well, it's all about brand building, you know, and, yeah. and, and brand perception and so on. And, I, I, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong on one level with brand building and brand perception at all, as long as the foundation of it is integrity. And that's where, coming back to like Brewdog as an example, 
where it feels like there's a lack of integrity. There's probably some truth in what James Watts says about certain things. You can't tar everyone as being like just demonic. You know, oh, he's just a complete and utter asshole. There's no redeeming qualities about him at all. What a dick. Like, because like, you know, he's he'll have his own insecurities and pressures. And I don't know what it's like running a multi-million pound company. You know, no one, not many people do. And the pressures that all those zeros and all those employees and all the rest of it, it what comes with it. And the way that that might make him behave for the better or for the worse. Like, I don't know that. So, but the problem is because, because it seems there's been a lack of integrity and transparency there you don't know what is true and what isn't and I think that's the sticking point it's like what are you saying that's real here and what are you just kind of bullshitting about and that makes it feel very very dangerous exactly so yeah that's why I say to to brewers I know just citing brewers as an example you know if you're going to depending on who the CEO is or the MD or whether they've actually been a brewer themselves, the best person to be put out front and talking about the products. And I appreciate their, you know, that's not their original job role. Their original job role is to be on that brewing floor as much as possible and uh, very demanding it is too. But nevertheless, they or their assistants or part of the team need to be out there all the time as the growth of the product is to be promoted correctly um, with the right, truth behind it and um, they need to be out there in in all in all platforms physically speaking to people the actual trusted trade press not the the ball trade press the list goes on that's the only way uh, otherwise you've got layers and layers of pr agencies but, uh, other voice boxes um people who might want to put their own slant on it and and we all know that but it just it's just just got to the point personally where just makes me boil boil with rage genuinely, you know. I mean, which is no good for anybody. I've never seen um, you boil with rage, Sean. So we'll... <laughs> <laughs> mildly amusing. But, yeah. So I think we're gonna have to round it up there. I think, in a nutshell, if people have made it this far to summarise, I would say, and then obviously you can give a, a takeaway yourself. I would say um, we've talked about transparency. We've talked about getting your shit together. We've talked about getting your values and your vision and organisation sorted and basically don't be a dick. Would you say that was a fair summary? <laughs> yeah, pretty reasonable. There you go. Um, transparency, respect. Like Just just like we all need to have uh, you know, the way we, it, to, the way we are spoken to um, and would like to be spoken to and people talk again about you know, variation on that tone of voice. Well, yeah, okay. You know, dress it up however you like. Just talk to me, inform me, then I can make my own decisions. Thank you. Sounds good. Right. Well, <laughs> cheers. And thanks for tuning in, everyone. <laughs> oh, dear. I'll go, I'm going to have a chamomile tea, tea in a minute. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to have a coffee and go to a meeting. So all, all <laughs> ramped up. Um <laughs> 